turn in our Bibles this morning to the Word of God in John chapter 19, Gospel according to John chapter 19, and we will read verses 1 through 18. John 19, beginning at verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. We read the word of God thus far, and now let's look at our text, which is verses 16 through 18. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away, and he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull,
which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. There were many events, beloved, that took place during the last day and the last night of our Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. It was a time of great suffering for him. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. He experienced the agony of the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was captured by the soldiers and then abandoned by his own beloved disciples. Then he was dragged around all that night to Annas, to Caiaphas, to the Sanhedrin, to Pilate, to Herod, and back to Pilate again. And he was falsely accused, accused of blasphemy, And the cry of the people came against him, crucify him, crucify him. And he was unjustly condemned. They knew that he was innocent. They could find no fault with him. But still he was condemned and still he was sent to the cross. There, as our text tells us, he was crucified. He faced an agonizing death, including the soul-wrenching pain of dying the accursed death. And all of that, beloved, is what is pictured to us, is what we are reminded of through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And yet, it's more than simply a picture and more than simply a reminder. The sacrament is, by God's grace and through His Spirit, a means of grace. A means of grace to those who partake and who partake in faith. A sacrament to humble us as we are faced with the reality that our sins put our Lord Jesus Christ on that cross. A sacrament for our comfort as we are reminded of the truth that Christ was crucified for us and for our salvation, a complete Savior and a complete salvation for us in him, and a sacrament for the strengthening of our faith. Consider then with me this text under the theme, the crucifixion of Jesus. And We note what was done, who did it to him, and the purpose of God in it all. 
Verse 18 says they crucified him. A very brief statement, but a statement that is loaded with man's acts of cruelty against the Son of God, against the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, there was Pilate. Pilate who gave the order, as our text tells us, for the Lord Jesus Christ to be crucified. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. He knew that the Lord Jesus was innocent. He repeatedly said that. Repeatedly said to the Jews, I find no fault in him. But he still condemned him. And he still issued the judgment against the Son of God. This man must be put to death. And he still said to the Jews, here he is, you take him and crucify him. And he still issued the command to the Roman soldiers, take him and nail him to the cross. Pilate. And then there was the cruelty of the soldiers who actually carried out the crucifixion. In Mark 15, we read more of how they treated him. They whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him as a king. They blindfolded him and then slapped him in the face and told him to say who it was that slapped him. They spit in his face. And as the text says, they led him away, led him away to be crucified, led him as a lamb to the slaughter. And verse 17 of our text reminds us that they also forced him to carry his own cross to, to Golgotha outside Jerusalem. And then they pounded nails through his hands and his, through his feet. They nailed him to a cross. They dropped that cross into a hole that had been dug in the ground for it with him already nailed to it. And then they subjected him through all of that to a very extremely, uh, an extremely painful way of dying. Calculated to cause his death and his dying to last for hours and hours and hours. Drawn out, dying. And then there is also the cruelty mentioned in verse 18 of our text, which says that there, there were two other crucified with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. He was crucified with two others. He was crucified with two men who were criminals, two men who had committed a crime, had been found guilty of the crime, who were murderers and, and on account of being murderers had to be put to death. A death that was a just judgment upon them. 
the Son of God was crucified with them. In the words of Isaiah 53, he was numbered with transgressors when he was crucified. But even more than that, he was placed in their midst, in the middle of them, and they too on either side of him. That was no accident. That was purposely done and purposely carried out against the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not simply with them, but he was in the middle so that the focus and the attention would be given by anyone who came along on the man who was in the midst of these supposed criminals. Two of them were. He wasn't, but he was numbered with them. And the message was clear, the message of the Romans, the message really of Pilate who condemned him to the cross. We crucify three evil men here and the one in the middle is the worst of them all. They crucified him. But why? Well, as you know, beloved, it was not because of anything he said or anything that he did. They could find no fault with him. Why was the Son of God crucified? He was crucified because of who he was, not because of what he did. He was the Son of God. He was God in our flesh. He was holy, and he was the one who by all of his holy life and by every word that came out of his mouth and by every miracle that he performed was revealing God to them. The revelation of God, the revelation of God as a righteous God, the revelation of God as a holy and as a just God. And man hates God. By nature, man is an enemy of God. He hates the light. He doesn't want God, and he doesn't want the Son of God in his world, and he doesn't want God or the Son of God in his life. And so man took the Son of God and they tried to put him out of this world and out of their lives. They crucified him. They nailed him to a cross. They made him die the accursed death, the accursed death that proclaims this man is not worthy to live on this earth and this man is not worthy either to be in heaven here he is suspended between the two, between heaven and earth, because there is only one place for this man, hell. And so wicked man said concerning the Christ, we don't want him on this earth anymore. We don't want him among us anymore. 
And so as the text says, they crucified him. The Son of Man, now in the hands of wicked men, horribly mistreated, led to be crucified, nailed to a cross, a public spectacle, publicly cursed and publicly rejected and publicly hated and publicly shamed when he was crucified on the cross. But who did this to him? Who crucified Jesus Christ? was not done to him by bloodthirsty savages. They were not the ones who crucified him. He was not crucified by men who were the dregs of society. He was not crucified by murderous criminals. But it was done to him by those who represented the world at its best. It was done by those who were in positions of power and positions of honor. It was done by those who were the rulers and the educated. It was done by those who were, you could say, in the upper classes of society. The Roman soldiers did it. They were men with power, for sure. And so those wicked men carried out the crucifixion. They nailed him to the accursed tree, and they were very cold and very indifferent about it. They nailed him to the cross and then simply cast lots for his garments, sat down near the cross, and in, with their hardened hearts and their cold indifference simply watched as he suffered and watched as he slowly died. And Pilate was involved. Pilate, who was a great judge and a great ruler in the world at that time, he did it. He was the one who gave Jesus Christ over to be crucified. He was the one who condemned Jesus Christ to death even though he was innocent. He was the one who gave the command to the soldiers to put him to death by crucifixion. You could say he committed a greater sin than the soldiers who actually carried out the crucifixion. But church leaders did it too. The scribes and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the elders in the church, the theologians of that day, the pastors of that day, the ministers of the word. They had always hated Christ. They were always envious of him. 
jealous of him. They wanted him to be dead. And how did they carry that out? How did they accomplish that? By their lies. They used lies against him, and then they stirred up the people against him, and they caused the people, stirring them up in a frenzy to cry out, crucify him, crucify him. The church leaders did that. The members of the church did it too, the Jewish people. They cried out for him to be crucified. They said, free Barabbas to us and crucify, kill, get rid of this Jesus. They were in favor of his death. They were in favor of his being crucified to death, and they willingly and gladly participated in it. Therefore, we can say that in the end, really, the whole world did it. The whole world did it. The world was against the Lord Jesus Christ. The world wanted him dead. They wanted him out of this world and out of their lives. They nailed him to the cross. The world did. We do well to remember that by nature, we are part of that world. It is true that by the grace of God in us, we are now not the world, but we are the church. We are the people of God. But by nature, we're part of the world. Part of the world that says we don't want Christ. By nature, we don't want him. Grace alone makes the difference. How we need the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God to us in him. And how we ought to be thankful that he has saved us from that world that hates and crucifies the Son of God. There is more, beloved, when we ask the question, who did it to him? We must understand that it wasn't just men. It appears that men are in control, yes. But not so. This didn't happen to the Lord Jesus Christ because things got out of control. This didn't happen to the Son of God because... Man was now able to do something that God was not able to prevent and that God never intended to happen. That was not the case. It all happened because God planned it. It all happened because God arranged every detail and now the will of God was being carried out. The will of God, as that is pointed out in Acts 2 verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. The cross, therefore, and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't simply men planning something and men carrying out something against Jesus Christ. 
It wasn't simply the world and the church of that day and the devil who nailed the Lord Jesus Christ to the accursed cross. God planned it. And God planned everything that led up to it so that we can say, God put his beloved son on the cross. Yes, the wicked world crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. The text says so. They crucified him. But God controlled them, and God used them. It was God who delivered the Lord Jesus Christ over to the Jews and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate and delivered him over to the Roman soldiers. It was God who put the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the malefactors. It was God who said to his son, you must die the accursed death. It was God who brought the greatest suffering, pain, and agony, and anguish possible on his own beloved son. His body was broken, and his blood was shed by Almighty God. But God did it with a definite purpose. His son must die this death of the cross, this accursed death as the punishment for the sins of the elect. There was no other way to deliver us from hell, and there was no other way to bring you and me to heaven. And therefore, the crucifixion and the physical suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ faced and endured at the hands of men was not the main thing. There was a much deeper suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ faced. There was a much deeper suffering that God his Father put him through. There were much greater things taking place at the crucifixion of Christ on the cross than anyone could ever see, and that any of those who crucified him actually saw. There was a much greater suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ endured than anyone who was there crucifying him could bring upon him. Because Jesus Christ was drinking the cup of the eternal wrath of God. And it was, as Scripture teaches us, unmixed and undiluted wrath, eternal wrath. God was at work. God was present. And God was causing him to, to endure intense suffering, the intenseness of all that suffering of hell for all the elect of God compressed into those three hours of darkness especially 
sent then into the depths of hell, into the blackness of the eternal wrath of Almighty God, suffering a measure of the punishment for sin that you and I will never be able to comprehend. Paying the eternal price for our deliverance and fulfilling God's purpose to save you and me from his wrath and from hell. And it is God's will that we know and that we understand his purpose in the cross of Christ. And by means of these three words especially, they crucified him those words in our text, God teaches us a number of important things about our salvation. First of all, they crucified him. Those words in our text are God's way of putting before us the reality of the horror of our sin. We can think about and we can talk about how others were crucifying the, the Lord Jesus Christ, how cruel they were, how they mistreated him, and maybe even say, how could they do this to him when it was clear that he was innocent? But the reality is our sins put him there. We crucified him by sinning. He had to be crucified because of us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crucified because of our iniquities and sin. And secondly, those words, they crucified him, are used by God to demonstrate to us how great God's love for us is. In his love, he gave his own son. In his love, he sent his son willingly and freely into this world. In his love for us, he gave his son into the hands of wicked men. And in his love, he did that knowing full well what they would do to his beloved son. And in his love for us, God put his own son on the cross to punish him for sin instead of you and me. Great love. Does anyone else love you? Has anyone else loved you as much as God. And thirdly, those words, they crucified him, demonstrate to us how great the love of our Lord Jesus Christ is. He willingly went to the cross. He voluntarily gave himself into the hands of sinners. He did not resist. He went silently 
as a lamb to the slaughter. He silently suffered. He let them take him and nail him to the cross, though he could have prevented it at any moment in the process. And then he willingly stayed on the cross, even when they cried out to him, come down from the cross and prove to us that you are the almighty Son of God. Great love. You know, of anyone else who would be willing to do that for us, anyone else willing to suffer the accursed death and to go to hell in our place. And then fourthly, those words, they crucified him, teach us that we have a great salvation. They crucified, notice, him, him. That's the word of God to us. God is telling us that he crucified him, his son, in our place. Because the son of God was crucified, we will never be condemned by God, but instead blessed by him. Because the Son of God was crucified, we will never be cursed by God, but instead filled with God's blessings. Because the Son of God was crucified, we will never face that eternal death that he suffered, but we will be blessed with life eternal. great and a most blessed and an eternally glorious salvation and gospel that is given us through the truth of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So may we be deeply thankful to God for his unspeakable gift. May we come to the table of the Lord and partake be strengthened in the assurance that he did this for us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank thee for Christ. We thank thee for thy truth concerning him. We thank thee for the cross of Christ. We thank thee for rich and blessed and full salvation from sin, from thy wrath, from eternal judgment and punishment through Jesus Christ, thy Son. In his name we pray. Amen.